0: Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to begin with the last few verses of chapter 7. The context of the book is it is a sermon declaring the superiority of Jesus. I have a friend who I told what we were doing recently. He says, you know, I preached from Hebrews once. It took me 50 minutes. I said, what did you, which did you talk about? He said, I just read the book it reads like a sermon. In 50 minutes, I was done. Ooh, that'd be like drinking from a fire hose, wouldn't it? <laughs> so the context of our verse here is, is talking about Jesus as our high priest. He's superior to all the other priests before him because they died. Their ministries were temporary. They retired at the age 50, and they were corruptible. And he's an incorruptible High priest, after the order of Melchizedek, who was a priest of the Most High God, not focused on just one race of people, one ethnicity, but on the world. Christ, the priest of El Elion, God Most High. Who knows there's no high like the Most High. Amen. Amen. The hippies really like to say that in the 70s. <laughs> Verse 26 of Hebrews 7, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. So our high priest was our sacrifice who's risen from the dead. No longer is there the need for the blood of bulls and goats. A lot of people are excited about red heifers right now. There's no need for that. We have Christ who's superior. Verse 28, for the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who's been perfected forever. And here's that prophetic statement, the oath. Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. If you read all of Psalm 10, it is it is messianic prophecy. And we're in there. We're called volunteers. Any volunteers in the house? But that would be another sermon, so let's move on. Chapter 8 verse 1. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. It's one thing to be at the right hand of majesty. That's an honor. A position of authority. But he's seated there. He's positioned there. Awesome position. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he saw Jesus standing. What an honor to have the Messiah, who's our high priest, seated at the right hand of majesty, stand for you to cheer you home because he was about to leave this planet due to his martyrdom. Verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not men. We're just going to mention, briefly mention the, the man-made tabernacle that was according to the pattern God gave him, a uh, fashion after things in heaven. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. So they did not just offer blood sacrifices for sins, but they offered up offerings for praise, for worship. And Christ does that. In the midst, we saw earlier in, in this book, in the midst of the congregation, he sings praise, he worships with us. It's hard for our minds to wrap around because he's God. he's also man and as a high priest he joins in with us no longer is there a need for offering up blood sacrifices he settled that issue once and for all but we have all eternity to praise do we not for if he were on earth verse 4 he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things Remember Peter Pan lost his shadow? (laughs) A shadow is is a reflection of the shape of who you are. And so this earthly tabernacle was a shadow. Uh, The earthly temple was a shadow of the heavenly. Verse 5, who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So this is a a little sketch of the tabernacle. Sometimes we'll teach through it. Uh, I'd like, there's a couple of traveling ministries that set it up on your property, life size, I'd love to do that for about a month and make it available to other churches. Can you imagine 30 days of teaching around a replica of the tabernacle? It points to the gospel, it's amazing. It's an outer court, an inner court, and the the inner of the inner court, the Holy of Holies. This was a daily place of ministry relating to God through sacrifices and washings and worship. It was a seasonal thing where festivals uh, related to, and it was an annual thing, Yom Kippur, where the blood was offered before the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat. So while we're not talking about this today, Christ ministers for us in the heavenly tabernacle. This is just a shadow of the things to come. Verse 6, but now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, and as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, a better covenant on better promises, So it's built on better promises. It was predicted to come. He fulfilled it. Psalm 110 had been around for centuries, and he came and fulfilled it. He is that priesthood. But not only is it built on better promises, it provides better promises. So my title for today is A Better Covenant with Better Promises. Can we say that together? Verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, you say in the Old Testament had faults in it? No, it found faults. So that was the fault in the Old Covenant. Fault finding, like an x-ray machine. Finds the fault in your body, but it doesn't do anything about it. It points you to the sacrifice. You need a sacrifice for your sins. Look at this. Any builders in the house? You build something great, it looks good, but then you got to put the level on it. you got to put the plumb line on it. you got to put the square to it. And then you'll see if your eyes have been deceiving you. Well, mankind is full of self-justifying traits that the law cut through like a knife. Verse 8, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Now look at this. Jeremiah 31 is this prophecy the speaker is quoting here in Hebrews 8. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah. This is given to the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation, this new covenant promise. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Let's look at that right quick. Here's the promise of a covenant in Exodus 19. Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. You know, Moses approached Pharaoh for permission to go into the wilderness to worship. He refused, because You know, the danger of them fleeing, which was was very real. It was a humble request. And so God did what he did to set them free, an amazing series of stunning miracles. Verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak, to the children of Israel. So Moses did that. Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him about this covenant they should keep. Then all the people answered together and said, can we read what's underlined? All that the Lord has spoken, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. That's what a priest does. He represents God to the people, and the people to God. So a a bunch of other things happen, and in chapter 24, here's the reiteration of what had happened. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, can we read it together? All the words which the Lord has said we will do. Verse 4, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. There's a shedding of blood. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, that's the book he wrote, and read in the hearing of the people, and they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. This was the day he made a covenant with them. This is called the Mosaic covenant. There are other covenants that are part of the Old Covenant. There's a Noahic. Covenant. The covenant he made with Noah, who enjoys seeing rainbows. That's the promise of mercy. Never again will he destroy the earth with the flood. That's the bow of God facing away from the earth. One day it'll face back and it'll be fire. (laughs) It's amazing how they have hijacked that symbol. The thumb of their nose at God. It's just crazy. All right, so back to Jeremiah. He continues with what he said. Uh, You know, they didn't keep their promise. Did they keep their promise? They didn't. They couldn't keep it for a year. Complaining, whining, murmuring, wound up not even going into the land because of their unbelief. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. This is one of the verses people use to say that God forgets your sins. He doesn't forget. He can't forget. That's weakness. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But he chooses to not remember. You ever hurt somebody and they say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget? There's truth in that, but the point is we are to forgive sin and stop rehearsing it over and over in our mind, having these imaginary conversations I can't believe. Choose to not remember. Mother Teresa was reminded by somebody of some great offense committed against her years earlier, and she said, why are you bringing that up? She said, I distinctly remember choosing to forget that. Lord, help us to live in light of this covenant. That we can know him. We can have our sins forgiven and no longer remembered against us. What a high priest we have. What a covenant we have been given. Why go back? Why? The only reason to go back would be to learn more about Jesus and the beauty of this better covenant with better promises. I love this picture. Water's a symbol of the covenant. A better covenant with better promises. The goldfish is escaping the bowl, diving into the lake. That's what it would be like to go back. Get back in the bowl. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us from your word in such a way that we never forget how beautiful our salvation is. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A better covenant with better promises. Christ is a surety of a better covenant. Earlier in chapter 7, it says, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety, a guarantor, of a better covenant. If you've got bad credit and someone cosigns for you on a note, they are agreeing to be a surety for your note. Now the Bible says don't cosign, but it happens, it's part of the culture. That cosigner is a surety that if you default, they will be responsible. But don't be taken advantage of by people who through foolishness have ruined their credit to lure you in because you're a Christian to co-sign for them. The Bible says why ruin your name? There's other ways of doing it. If you want to repair your credit, go get to know your banker and ask for a $1000 loan. Well, they won't give it to you. Tell them they can keep the money safe, but you want your name on it, and then you pay it back on time, in six months, say, and then do it again, and you'll be building a track record to establish your credit. A living on credit is not a good thing, but to buy something expensive that, due to inflation, is going to be way higher than it is now, if you don't go ahead and buy it on credit, then that, that would make sense, something that appreciates in value. All right, that's not the sermon. All right, move on. (laughs) This better covenant with better promises is established on better promises. On better promises. Now he's obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant. He rose from the dead to make sure we reap the full benefits of his sacrifice, which was established on better promises. You don't have to keep holy days to be holy. Holy. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Can I get an amen? Amen. There are churches out there that say you have to have church on the seventh day. That's great, have it on the seventh day. But the Bible doesn't say you have to have church on the seventh day. In fact, biblically it would be a day of rest. So are you resting? Driving across town? Walking or whatever? Getting dressed up? We were blessed by a local church like that that Uh, allowed us to use their building on Sundays. They charged us very reasonable rent. And we thought, what an ideal situation. We need nursery workers. So we approached the leadership who said, yeah, this is a great idea. We got some retirees. They could use some extra money. They got back to us in two weeks and said, sorry, Sunday's our day of rest. We couldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. Anyway, I thought it was funny. The first covenant only exposed faults. For if that first covenant had been faultless, not so fault-finding, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Man, here they were, former slaves dying in the wilderness, just like they predicted. We're going to die out here. the Lord says, yes, you are. <laughs> the new covenant changes hearts and minds. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel. Never forget this covenant is given to the Jewish people, and as Gentiles, we are grafted in to their deal with God. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You may not have the principles of God memorized, but you have the Holy Spirit. We have an anointing that teaches us what the New Testament says. You ever override the check that God puts in your mind, hey, don't do that, and then regretted it? As you grow in the Lord, things get put in your mind that you didn't know before. This is the fulfilling of that covenant. So, reading may not be your favorite thing, but reading the scriptures is important. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. This doesn't happen just by osmosis. This happens by the renewing of our minds. And there is such a thing as audio Bible. Just, I'm not saying read huge chunks, just read a chapter. Read till something speaks to you and stop and think about that all day. It'll change and renew your outlook. This includes knowing God personally. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. We have some children in this church, they know the Lord. They don't have a baby Holy Spirit. They've got simple faith. If they want to pray for you, let them. I mean, unless we become like them, they forgive on command. Us, not so much. This better covenant with better promises, fulfills our real need for God's mercy. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. That's our traits that make us sin. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Thank God for his mercy. When you run out of things to thank him for, thank him for his mercy. The new covenant will never grow old. He ends this chapter with these words in that he says a new covenant he's made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. What? Yep. Three things. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. At the death of Christ, It was 40 years that would come to pass before that place would be destroyed. He predicted its destruction. He said not one stone would be uh, touching each other. There was so much gold and silver in that place for years, even centuries. People would raid that site looking for gold and silver. Talk about tore up. Now, the first temple that was destroyed because of rebellion, was built by Solomon. David was not allowed to build it because he was a man of blood, a man of war. But this big temple that Christ was pointing to was credited with being built by Herod. Talk about a man of blood. Talk about a man of dishonor. He was an Edomite. He had his Jewish wife killed. Uh, there was a saying it would be better to be a pig than a child of Herod. It was, he was bad, and the priesthood was corrupt. Zechariah was over age when he was ministering to the Lord in his rotation of a priest when he received the prophecy that he was going to have a son in his old age who became John the Baptist. For 40 years, till the temple was destroyed, they locked the temple up every night. And in the morning, this is according to the Talmud. Yep, Jewish literature that they connect with the Torah and the Tanakh. According to the Talmud, they locked up the doors to the temple every night. And every morning, they were found to be open. For 40 years. For 40 years at Yom Kippur, they had no sign that said their sacrifices were accepted, that their sins were atoned for for another year. There were two things they did. This is also in the Talmud. Two things they did that they looked at as a sign. One was the priest would reach his hand in the bag and grab one of two stones. If you grabbed the right stone, their sins were atoned for. If you grab the wrong one, it was unaccepted. The Ark of the Covenant had long been gone. To this day, we don't know where it is. There's some theories out there. Some are very interesting. Some are kind of silly. So it was gone. So the only sign of forgiveness that they believed in was the priest pulling out the right rock. One of two. For 40 years, this happened once a year, for 40 years, the high priest on duty that day pulled out the wrong rock. This is also in the Talmud. Part of the sacrifices related to Yom Kippur was the sacrifice of a goat, twin goats, kids. One goat was sacrificed, the other goat was led out on the wilderness as a scapegoat to bear the sins of the people and die alone. Christ suffered outside the camp. He was alone. He was the fulfillment of that. So as a sign that, there's, that the whole thing was accepted, that they'd done everything perfectly, uh, they tied a scarlet cord to the horn, to one of the horns of the goat, and cut some cord off of it, and tied the rest of that cord that was on the horn, the rest of it, to the door of the temple. And in the process of time, the cord would turn white if the sacrificial Festivities were accepted by God. For 40 years, it never happened. So let's back up from 70 AD when the whole place was destroyed. What happened 40 years before then, 30 AD? The death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. So, this was a prophecy In that he says a new covenant he's made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. It's a new covenant with better promises. The old covenant was built on what you did. If you do this, if you do that, the new covenant is based on what Christ did. If you obey, I'll do such and such. Exodus 23, 22. If you bring, if you keep, if you seek, if you vow, you better keep your vow. Better not to vow. If you disobey, there's going to be consequences. The curse of the law. The new covenant is because of him, because of what he did. What we do is important, but it's the fruit of what he he did. It's not in order to gain approval. It's an outward work of appreciation. You ever love somebody so much that whatever you did for them wasn't hard to do? Right? That's why I do the dishes. (laughs) So the new covenant, because of him, we are loved. Nothing can separate us from his love. We are received. We are righteous. We're beloved. We are blessed. We are complete in him. We are forgiven. Is that not better? let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the awesome gift of grace that the new covenant brings. Lord, I pray for those of us that have been ignoring your finger, your spirit, trying to write your word, your law in our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that we'd be more receptive to you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. May we never go back to our self-willed ways or religion or whatever it was that we were before. We were brought into the kingdom.
1: In Jesus' name. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
0: thing that I said about co-signing. I don't want you to think that we're not supposed to help them anymore, right? Widows, orphans, disaster victims and now in our day abandoned mothers This is that's a disaster. They need help. And uh, if you give to them your loaning to the Lord, the Lord will pay you back. So Unless you can pay the loan yourself, don't co-sign. I co signed once for my son because I could hold his feet to the
1: fire. Now I
0: think that boy's credit score is better than mine. (laughs) Is anyone here that needs a New Testament priest to pray for you today? We're in a room full of them. We would like to pray with you about anything. Could be a decision you're facing, could be a need for provision, maybe you got some bad news, you have to make some decisions, maybe you need healing. If if you need some prayer, we can pray for you right there in your seat without embarrassing you. Just raise your hand up and we'll send some people to pray for you and you'll make some new friends. Anybody here that needs prayer, just raise your hand. All right, I see two hands, three hands, four hands. Keep your hands up. All right, saints, look around. Here's four hands here. Any hands over here? Okay, keep your hand up. All right. And here, someone seated. Anyone else? Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you.